Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Alex Robbins. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's a great honor and pleasure. Yeah, it's always fun to uh, find people on Twitter and then get them on. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> hey, you, have, you have many good books on. Like, come, come and talk to me. <laughs> like, um, Scrolling through the, the thousands of indie authors. <laughs> it's crazy sometimes. Cause like, I, so now I, I like it because you were actually a retweet referral. So somebody had retweeted you. Um, who I follow and I was like oh I think it was a book blogger actually and I was like oh okay so I yeah, I went and looked at your profile and I was like yes please um, as soon as I saw your you know your cover photo for your books um, but it is it's hard like I like when people do that and now people are starting to tag me which I really like they're like hey can you you know interview this author that I really like so that if anybody out there wants to do that please follow me on Twitter and or just you know DM me like send me anybody like Alex because it is very hard when I just go through fantasy and sci-fi and uh, Twitter's algorithms are not allowing me to search very well for you guys uh, or your favorite. Yeah. So it just, it wasn't fun. So finding you and a few people, I found you and like, I would say six other authors within like back to back to back. So it was very nice. And then out of um, the six, including yourself, um, four of you have come on the podcast so far. So that was like, it was a good Friday for me. So I really appreciate you coming on. So. That's awesome, especially as, as as because I'm not actually that active on Twitter, and 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 also because uh, I live in France, so there's the time zone difference as well, right? So sometimes when I post something, yep. so like you know, uh, ten o'clock at night here, and it's yep. sort of three in the afternoon in the US, yep. and then you get all these sort of changes. It's not it's not easy, and it's not easy to to force yourself to be active on Twitter as well, because sometimes you know when you have nothing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Sometimes that, yeah. my friend he calls it going fishing. He he goes, so I'll just go and I'll just scroll to find people like yourself. And sometimes I'll I'll text him. I said I found three today, and you know, like stuff like that. So yeah, it's the algorithm has definitely made it harder. Like I used to see things from people all the time that you know, like I don't think I see anything from you know Michael R. Fletcher anymore. And Mike and I used to like re- retweet and post and you know talk all the time on Twitter. So <laughs> that's just like one of his. He's 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 neck deep from what I understand because I, I follow him. I think he's he's neck deep in writing at least two separate novels at the same time. And he just tweeted oh, earlier that he's now had an idea for a third that he's wondering whether he should pursue or not. So <laughs> <laughs> he gave me great advice yeah, when he was on the man. podcast. So <laughs> yeah, he, he I've never met him in person, but he he seems like a great guy. He's 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 what I. He's, he's one of the old guard, you know, you have, you have these sort of, uh, I'm a sort of, I'm a very young, uh, uh, not, not physically young, but <laughs> yeah, inexperienced, should we say, inexperienced in the author. Um, and then you have people like, you know, Fletcher, um, you know, Rob Hayes, Ben Galley, people yep. like that, that have been doing this for close to 10 years now, yep. that are the sort of veterans in the self-publishing industry. And they're, they're full of, of, of interesting tales, let's say, yes. to say the least, yeah. I'm excited because uh, Mike actually doesn't live that far across the border from me in Canada. So um, him, me and Dirk before on Facebook, we had talked about going like a Comic-Con or something like that across the border. So I know I can't remember if it's the Toronto one or what, but it's coming up this fall. So I was like, oh man, it got canceled last year. So I'm really excited to do that because I was like, I just want to like talk to people and, you know, they know everybody. So <laughs> I thought that'd be really fun to go. Oh, yeah. My wife was like, oh, no, when it got canceled, she was like, oh, my God. Like, and then it, it did like a mini one, but I couldn't get across the border. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. 
Uh, but yeah, and you're saying it's on it's on this year. It's, it's back on this year, then, is it? Do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. They saying, have yeah. quite a bit of things like the Niagara Falls convention is back on too, which I'm excited for because I have quite a few friends who live just across the border. Um, you know, and they're like, oh, I want to meet up and you know do this and that. So I think I might actually try to just do like um, you know, like just a quick event at the convention. It's this summer. Um, you know, oh. like a Comic Con thing. But I think it'd be cool, you know, to you know, just get some people together. Um, Nicholas Rose, one, uh, somebody who um, I just interviewed who does like horror and um, some fantasy and sci-fi and stuff, some cool mystery things um, on, yeah. on Kindle Bella. And he just lives across the border from me from Massachusetts. Um, so we talked about, he just comes up and then we'll just drive together and then we'll just like meet people up there and kind of have like our own little writer's convention at the yeah. next Comic-Con. So I'm trying to get people together for that. So I'm you know, I just, I, it, this stuff is great, but it's been so long since I talked to another author in person. It's been like, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> especially. Fans. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, It'd be good for us as, it'd be good for us authors as well. Yeah, to get, to get, uh, to get some sun on our pale skin, right. to get out of the, <laughs> the caves. We lock ourselves in to write, you know, so on our faces again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in my basement, my dungeon, as my wife calls it. So the, uh, the old writer's dungeon. But yeah, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so just our faces lit by the you know the light of the <laughs> the, the, the computer screen. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's all the the only light we get is that. You know, that's all we get. I forget, yeah. I forget who it was, but it was a really big indie author the other day. I follow on TikTok, and um, it was like a nicer day for him. So he was like pretend to be like a, a writer vampire and coming out of the cave and I just I thought that was so funny because I was like you know and everybody liked it like all these writers because it's like that's that's like we all know that feeling you know so I just thought it was so funny he's like after 500 years <laughs> I was like that was a great advertisement for writers but yeah it was awesome gotta have that sunscreen man you gotta you know that you know that's the hundred sunscreen yeah, yeah, yeah. protects it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm British, right? So I already I already have that problem. <laughs> you know, the sun is already quite rare where I used to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's funny. Uh, so for that first one there, uh, what has your writing journey been like up until this point? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's it's been it's been pretty amazing, really, to be honest. I mean, I I uh, I've told this story before, and uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll try and give the short version. But um, but basically, I actually started writing because I found my English was slipping. So I uh, I, I moved to France about twenty years, twenty five years ago oh, wow. now. Uh, uh, yeah, so I uh, obviously born and brought up in England, and then came across with my parents uh, in the mid nineties. And so obviously I was still living with my, with my parents who spoke English every day and I uh, have a brother and sister I speak English with too. And then when I sort of moved out, got a job, started speaking French a lot more, I, I, I found I was kind of losing my English, not necessarily conversation-wise, but more so like my written English, right? So I, I used to, obviously I read completely 100% English. Uh, I watch pretty much only uh, English and US TV. But just those sort of everyday conversations, that dialogue, I just wasn't really getting. And the English writing, I, I, I sort of found losing words, really. My vocabulary was, was getting squashed and, and, and taken over by sort of French vocabulary. So I thought, oh, I just can't, I can't, can't keep on doing this. And I've always liked writing. I've always sort of written more or less for myself. And I thought, you know, now's the time. I have to, I have to get my English vocabulary back. I have to get my English grammar back. I have to really take, take control of this thing that I'm sort of losing. 
So I started just writing. I had uh, several ideas I've been developing for a while. I started just writing more or less for myself, the odd chapter here and there. And, and as it sort of went on and bolstered by the pandemic, I think as well, and all these other sort of factors that, that meant I was spending more and more time at home, I thought, oh, well, there's actually enough for not only a book, but actually a series of books here. And uh, that's when I started actually seriously looking uh towards maybe publishing either trad publishing or self-publishing got some people to read it first to make sure it wasn't complete and utter tripe and then uh, and then you know went through the uh, the editing process and and ended up ended up on self-publishing for a number of reasons i think um one of the reasons was definitely that because it was my debut novel i thought it wasn't probably good enough for trad publishing which is maybe a bit of self-depreciation i don't know but um I certainly thought, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get the book out there, uh, and I didn't necessarily want to wait and go through the querying and that sort of thing. Um, and I think the second reason I decided to go with self-pub rather than trad-pub was uh, the control I'd have over everything. Yeah. So uh, the control I'd have over the cover, the control I'd have over the marketing, the editing, the release schedule. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in IT. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a computer. I'm in computer development. So um, I, uh, there's no problem like for the website and all that sort of thing. And I could do all that myself. And I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm. Uh, <laughs> this sounds, this sounds horrible, but I, 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 I'm, I'm quite averse to delegation. You know, I quite like being able to sort of have my say on pretty much all stages of the process. And listening to a lot of trad published authors, um, we we're, we're talking before we started recording about people like Brian McKellen and and, uh, and people like uh, Django Rickster, which I'm a bit big fan of as well. That people, people that are trad published. Um, that was one of the disadvantages that they talked about is that you know there a lot of the time you you when you're trad publishing you have some say with the cover but not that much i mean you can you can sort of say oh you know i don't like this at all but you can't sort of say oh i'd rather this hand was placed like this or you know that the title was done differently or that you know the spine was done differently or we have a different trim size or you know or the release date you didn't have big say with the release date either and that sort of put me off a little bit. I thought, you know, I, I wanted, wanted to have control over, over that sort of thing. So, yes, yeah, so I went for, it took me about um, a year and a half to write the, the first book in the series and roughly outline the, the, other, the other three, because uh, it's going to be a quartet. Started out as a trilogy. It's now going to be a quartet. That's just how things go. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how, how it happened over the last 18 months or so. Oh, wow. But yeah, very, very, I'm sure a lot of other people you, that you have on will say this to you, and, but it's really not, I'm really not sugarcoating it. It's, 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 it's a really, really interesting experience. It's really interesting to go through the different facets of, um, of putting a book together. You learn so much. I mean, you make a lot of mistakes, but you learn so much in, in such a short period of time. You meet so many interesting people on all sides of the equation. You meet people like you, very interesting podcasters. You meet interesting uh, bloggers. You meet reviewers. You meet uh, people on the technical side of things. So uh, you meet other authors. You meet people through social media. And because writing is quite a solitary experience, uh, it's so it's so wonderful to to be able to connect with you know other people that are doing the same sort of thing as you yeah. are. You know all of these all these indie authors that, are, and I think that the indie authors are probably a maybe yeah maybe slightly more tightly knitted group of people than sort of the trad authors. Maybe. The trad authors they'll get together for conventions that sort of thing. Uh, indie authors you'll see them ribbing off each other on Twitter. You'll see them you know sharing each other's book links when a book's released I, I thought it was amazing as a 
yeah, but yeah, when every single time uh, uh, an author releases a new book, like Rob Hayes has just released, uh, it was uh, an upcoming his upcoming novel. It's it's always shared within minutes by yeah. the rest of the indie community. So it's all of these people that are helping each other out, and and that I find really really amazing and really gratifying and and and, and helpful as well. You know, to carry on to carry on writing and to carry on putting out books so that you have this support, continual support. Yeah, no, totally. And it's funny because I've, I've had, you know, quite a few uh, trad published authors too come in and, you know, one of them um, had mentioned like I was doing, well, actually when I started this podcast, um, you know, I had shared and then so Dirk Ashton had shared, Michael R. Fletcher had shared, they go, yeah. we're in, like, we want to be interviewed. So I interviewed both of them and it was funny how many people had said that. And then a couple of the trad published authors, you know, they sometimes feel like they're outside the community. I'm like, well, not here. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I do do a lot for indie publishers because I do know a lot of them and I know, you know, it's, but now it's at the point where, you know, we've discovered this with a lot of, you know, the, you know, traditional published authors where it's, it's not like it used to be, you know, like, yeah, they're, you know, traditionally published, but it's like, you know, you take like Scott Drakeford, like, you know, I had him on with his, you know, and it's like, you know, he was like, Oh, have me back anytime. I'm like, I'll have you back anytime. Anytime you want to come and talk about whatever, you know, just so we can get, you know, your name out there, rise of the mages out there. It's like, you know, but he was saying, he was like, you know, they expect you to do, you know, the same thing that indie authors are doing. You still have to build yeah. brand, you know, and I've heard Kevin J. Anderson talk about that a lot, um, you know, where it's just not like it used to be, you know, like unless you're Brandon Sanderson, you know, or one of the, you know, those bigger names for trap publishing, like the trap published authors are just the same as us. It's just their costs are cut a bit, you know, but then it's like, you know, they're not needing as, you know, many people, you know, and, you know, doing as many things, like they're not meeting the artists, you know, they're not meeting the, you know, the book bloggers as much, you know, and nice. you know, a couple of them were, got on the, that post about this podcast, like we started, they're like, can we come to, or is this just an indie <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I was like, anybody's welcome, you know, at any time, you know, as long as it's like, you know, I was teasing as long as it's not fiction, you know, or nonfiction, but, you know, I'll have those people on too, you know, from time to time. But, you know, I, I personally think it's just funny to see, you know, where I totally agree with you. Like, and I, you know, before we started recording, I've shared this story on here many a time, you know, when I went to the Poison Pen and saw traditionally published authors, you know, and then the indie and the, like literally like Brian McKellen and I forget what the other author was, um, cause I'm really tired today, but like, they were literally like the same thing. They were riffing on each other and they said, they like, yeah, they go, Hey, go check out every person's book here on the, yeah. so I did, yeah. they said, come back here and tell me what you find. So I went back through the line again. And I'm like, well, all of you guys, like literally on do the blurbs of each other's books, you know, like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. This book was great. You know, yeah. but I'm like, and they're like, yeah, they're like, that's what, you know, indie publishing is. They're like, you know, yeah. like we are on the same shows together. You know, we go to the same conventions together. You know, they're like, it's just a different community. That was like eight, that was like eight years ago, you know, and that yeah. was like, was, was mind blowing. You know, I had never you know, same like thing that like you said, you know, it's a solitary thing. And, you know, that's what they had said. They said, but, you know, we really do enjoy getting together and, you know, and helping each other out. They're like, it's just a different community. And, you know, that was eight years ago. And I've seen any community, you know, really thrive and, you know, really stick to that. And I think in, you know, in terms of traditional publishing, I think you have a lot more people that think that each other are the enemy um, or that indie publishing is or something like that. There just seems to be like a different thing there. But in terms of indie publishing, uh, you know, for the most part, everybody I know is like, just wants to help each other out. Like the amount of people that come to me, you know, and are like, Hey, as soon as your book's out, like, like just, you know, can you just send me it? Can I be on your newsletter? And I'm yeah. like, I didn't even, 
I haven't even begun my newsletter yet. And I have people like, you know, you know, begging to be on it. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. They're like, we'll share in our newsletter, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, same here. You know, it's just, I think it's cool the people that you meet. My wife, you know, she goes, um, I don't think you're actually doing the podcast to make friends. I think you're actually doing the podcast. <laughs> right. Because you're just wanting to make writing friends. And I was like, you caught me, you know. And, you know, like the other day I was talking, you know, like I said to Jeffrey Haskell a bit and stuff after. And she was always teasing me. She's like, who are you talking to? Is it a girl? And I'm like, no. She goes, it's another author, you know. And uh, I think sometimes she's just like, oh my gosh. But, you know, I, I enjoy talking to people on the podcast and I enjoy talking to them after. And, you know, hearing their ideas and things. And it is, it's a different type of community. It's, it's just, it's, it's so much fun, you know, to be a part of. And with this podcast, everybody's been so inviting and, you know, has been so helpful. So I can definitely see why people, you know, tend to stay, who are indie published, tend to stay indie published. You know, it's, it's a much different thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think there's, uh, there's also, you can also sort of go both ways. I mean, you're seeing more and more, we were talking earlier, but we're seeing more and more trad published authors, people like, people like uh, Brandon Sanderson, but also we, you're talking about Brian McLean and Brian McLean, he actually, if I remember correctly, so his, his, his novels actually uh, published through, through traditionally through a traditional publisher, but I believe his novellas or some of his short stories, he yep. actually self publishes. So, you know, and then you, we were talking about uh, this, as well he does the same thing he's had stuff that's traditionally published and so you, you're not necessarily I think more and more now I think we're going to see this more and more especially with uh, Sanderson's successful Kickstarter campaign that sort of thing I think we're going to see more and more well-known authors it's someone like Joe Bacromby or something like that you know tomorrow he said okay I'm going to do a Kickstarter and I'm going to self-publish you know my next trilogy He'd, he'd, he'd could get millions. He'd, he'd, <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be no problem, you know. So I think I think it's I think the effect that Kickstarter has had on the traditional publishing industry as well cannot be understated. I think it also shows that you know you don't necessarily you need to get established, but once once you have at least a small following, you can actually, if you choose to do so, um, you know, issue the uh, the traditional publishing scene and publish your own stuff and be successful doing so. So it's opened up, I think, uh, yeah, it's opened up room for a lot of interesting conversations around that. Uh, but to come back to what you were saying, I think I think you also need to decide when you're publishing how much you want to do. I mean, I've spoken to some people who who have no idea or, or either have no idea or have no inclination to market their own book marketing is really hard actually right. selling your book is in in my opinion is is as hard as writing it i'd say probably even harder probably even harder because because um writing writing is can sometimes be annoying and can sometimes be depressing and can sometimes be difficult but most of the time it's fun right otherwise you wouldn't do it uh marketing it's not that much fun <laughs> putting, putting together you know putting together ads and uh, and trying to get your, your your book out onto social media and that sort of thing I mean it's 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 time consuming it certainly feels more like work to me uh, whereas whereas writing isn't isn't work writing is fun it's a hobby it's uh, it's interesting but people that don't want to do that whatsoever in my opinion, should probably think twice before going into into self-publishing because that is a big part of of, of yeah. putting out your book. You know, um, the the whole the whole marketing aspect and the the other thing is some people don't want to you know they don't uh, they don't want to interact on social media they don't necessarily want to be involved in the cover making process they just want to write. If people only have a certain a set amount of time in the day, uh, you know, want to spend it writing and not doing anything else, I probably spend out. Uh, the time I lock, because I have a full-time day job, but the time I lock to to uh, to my indie, um, you know, publishing stuff, uh, I probably spend about 
half of it writing yeah and the rest of it is uh the rest of it is you know putting the website getting the website up to date going on twitter you know looking over covers looking over interior layout um i hang the books translated into french at the moment so i'm having oh, to go cool. with them in french <laughs> uh you know reading having all the covers redone in french you know uh, going over stuff with the translator uh, then there's books that are being edited that are coming back that you have to check. So actually, actually, you know, pure writing, I'd say, uh, as i will be interested actually when you interview other indie authors, what they have to say on the sort of timeshare thing. But I'd, I'd say it's at least 50-50 for me anyway. You're spending about half your time writing and half your time doing any, everything else. Um, that's why successful indie authors have assistants that do all the boring stuff and they yeah, have to do yeah. the writing. But obviously when you're starting out, you have to do, you have to have your your hand uh, in every single pot should we say no totally well that's like why you know like my my best friend's my tech guy like he's in it and you know like it's it's easy for me like you know to i've had this several times like scott no odin and i could not get the audio to work and no matter what i did restart it <laughs> you know so yeah. i had to call him up and i'm like dude i'm like i got scott here i'm like well, we both had to re you know like you know reschedule this four or five times of life things i'm like i just want to get our second one done so i can put these two episodes out so you know he walked me through it and i feel like somebody else i wouldn't be able to do that you know and you know he does it all for free you know for me just help me out and stuff and it's that's not nice. good to me for him but you know i told him i was like maybe one of these days if i can get a sponsor or somebody you know i can actually you know pay yeah with that but but it's nice you know if you can find people to help you out you know it's we, we oh talk, yeah you know like before recording you know some people are you know like I just think it's interesting because like you said that because Brandon Sanderson said when he really made it big, you know, he was like, okay, like, um, I think it was Kevin, he said Kevin Anderson, but it was Kevin Anderson or Kevin J. Anderson. Um, it was like a recent um, interview he did with Brian McCollin uh, for Brian McCollin's podcast. And but he had said that like Kevin had said that you need, you're going to need an assistant soon. And like, yeah. just trust me. And he goes, I don't know if we can afford that. And then Three weeks yeah. later, Words of Radiance hit number one, and then he needed an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> after like a month, everything else started to sell again. Mistborn started to sell again with these new covers sure. and stuff. And sure. you know, it's like, okay, now we need like three assistants. So yeah, you know, I, do, I do think it's interesting, you know, like to hear, you know, when people get to a certain point. But I definitely agree with you, though. It's like it's hard to do. I thought about that. Like some people do, right? Just you know, go to an advertising company. Um, you know, I know like Mark Timoney goes out for a few more things know that maybe some people like you know I, I do think it's hard though you know like if you don't know what you're doing like sometimes with the podcast like people like so I had somebody ask me this the other day the email they said well how many viewers do you have I'm like well it depends on the podcast I'm like yeah. I'm really not worried about viewers I'm like some I get between the three platforms 90 I'm like other times it's like 30 or 20 I'm like it really yeah. just depends you know I'm like I haven't really done anything to sponsor or anything we're just six months in you know and we're just start, you know, starting to get there. I'm just worried about getting, you know, a backlog. They say you need about a year and a half worth of material or a season and a half worth of material before like people, you're, you're like, you know, you start to go up and stuff like that. Or, you know, when sponsors start coming, you just need content. So I've worried about that. And I said, well, this summer I worry about everything else, but just with my experiences, I'd like to do a podcast talking about like social media. Like I put up TikToks all the time. I put up this, yeah. and that. it really does feel like all that work like it I understand when you know indie authors like it feels like you're just yelling out to the void or just throwing money down a chasm sometimes and you know I do think you need to find what works for you and you know Twitter I don't think for me is the, the thing lately um Mark Timoney uses Instagram a lot he's you know done really well sure um Jay Swift um you know I had her on twice like 
she does, you know, TikTok a lot and she'll even do other things and get her, you know, she's got quite a few followers now for like her Marvel things and stuff and like a Marvel slash romance. There's these funny videos she does. They're really cool. Uh, but, you know, then she'll put her book stuff out, you know, and she's seen an increase there. And it's just interesting for me to see what, you know, different indie authors are doing. But I definitely agree with you, though. It's yeah. Like, if you don't want to do all that work, you should probably try to be traditional published. I'm impatient. I'm a patient person, but I'm impatient in terms of uh, I want to just get that. I'm so there. impatient. So I do think the standard I call it the Sanderson method, though, like what you're saying, like, because he does 60 percent uh, trad publishing and then 40 percent, um, you know, Indian. I've seen him do India, that for about ever since he put out uh, the first Skyward book and I've been right, yeah. tracking how, you know, how that's gone. So, and actually you mentioned the Kickstarter too, um, you know, and Kickstarter just in general, when Brandon Sanderson did that, um, I have other indie authors that we've had on with their Kickstarters. And they said that on average, 70 to 75% of all Kickstarters went up 3.5% in day one, just because of Brandon Sanderson. Um, that's and, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So, it, you know, he really brought a lot of eyes to the platform. So I actually really do hope that Joe Amber Crombie, you know, and some of these other people do. do <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, it really does. It really just does goes to show, you know, that we're we're all part of, you know, the same kind of team and, you know, and things like that. And, you know, everything's connected. So it was. Uh, it was yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the, there's so many you're not it's not like. I don't know. I can't really think of an app comparison right off the top of my head, but it's it's not like maybe some some other uh, things where there there is actually stiff competition. I mean, you can't. I, I don't. I don't really think that being a fancy author is a is a competitive line of work. I mean, there's so so many readers. There there are people as some of the people I, I were looking at that reviewed my book, for example. These are people that are reading three hundred books a year, right? Three hundred yeah, yeah, totally. books a year. So <laughs> for, for, for a start, I don't know how they do it, but the, the people that do, that do manage to do that, I mean, they're, they're, your, your book will get read. It, it, there's, if you put a book out and you market it correctly, it, 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 will, it will get read. People will read it. There's no, you know, no matter how many books have got numbers in every day, no matter how many new people you see going into any publishing and how many new authors are coming on the, coming on the, the self-publishing scene, it won't it won't uh it won't take anything away from what you've done your 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 audience will still be there and the, the especially with the the you know places like amazon and stuff like that which uh you know have uh, i don't know how many hundreds of millions of people uh that go on every day you you you'll get a readership so the, you, why why not support other people you know i mean they're not taking it if someone else does well they're not taking anything away from your readership yes. at all uh, so so you might as well you know help other people out definitely as somebody that buys way too many books on my Kindle, then I have time to read. I know, jeez, yeah, yeah. Like my friend the other day, he, he um, I was looking for Lee Child's The Killing Floor, so I finally found a used copy. Yeah. After see, I and I actually I was like Lee Child got me in like to the Jack Reacher series on Amazon, got me back into you know fiction. Um, so I'm thinking about going back and trying the Born Identity again and you know things like that. Um, but you know, like I, I bought the first one, I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying it. And he goes. It's almost exactly the same as season one. I'm like, well, I'm still enjoying it. So he went and bought me like three used ones. He's like, is your wife going to like let these in the house? I was like, well, I did lend you like 50. So it was cool. So I'll <laughs> buy 45 more for you. Because <laughs> I'll buy the rest of the series for you and we'll call it even. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I, I think about that all the time. You know, like one of the people that talked to me on Amazon, they have like 10,000 books on their Amazon Kindle right now that they have not read. <laughs> I'm like that's a, like, that's a lot yeah, yeah I'm like you take a while like, to get through them yeah yeah but you know like she she goes I see a new book cover or a new author and a blurb she goes shiny and like squirrel and she goes I'll just buy it I'm like 
I'm like, wow. I'm like, I give you credit, but you know, there are, I do agree with you. It's just, it's such a big market. There's so many people. And, you know, a lot of people do like, you know, if I wasn't writing so much, I'd be back to, you know, like books like yours take me three days, you know, right now I'm just writing so yeah. much, you know, and doing so many things that, you know, trying to build platforms and stuff and same thing you're doing, you know, trying to, you know, advertise and find better ways. It's like, I just don't have the time now, but you know, I can do that, you know, and there are plenty of people that don't write, you know, they're just readers that, you know, can just do, I was reading like 60 books a year, even with, you know, being a master's program and about yeah. than that in a year. So, you know, it is a very big market. So that's a really great point. Every indie author will tell you this, but I think that is probably the worst, absolute worst possible thing that happens when when you start actually writing a bit more is that your your to me anyway the the amount of books you read just 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 nosedives. You just yeah. uh, you know I I was like you I used to read yeah I used to probably read more more than fifty books a year I'd say and and so far this year I think I've read two so oh so you feel better I'm about to finish today. <laughs> <laughs> so because you know because you only have that yeah we're all the same i think you know most uh most apart from the really successful in the office most of us have have a job so we're either yeah, writing yeah. in the morning before we go to yep. i saw i saw a, a tweet by um uh ryan cal the other day who 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 writes uh so he has a he has a day job and he actually writes in the morning so he gets up at five or six i think in the morning and he writes for a couple of hours before going to work and a lot of people write um uh, what's his name? Peter Brett. He he writes. Uh, he used to write before he got signed as, as as a trad publisher. But he used to write on the uh, on the on the tube as he was going oh, to yeah. work. And uh, you know, all, we all we all have these 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 little spaces in the day, don't yep. we? That, that little time you were talking to Mary that you used to write in the evening and stuff. I write yep. in the evening when I get back from work. So you just have that sort of two hour or three hour or more if you're lucky. I have about two hours a day. And we write, try and write for about two hours a day um that you can actually concentrate on on writing but that time before was time that i actually yeah. spent probably reading <laughs> so totally. you know you're losing you're now. losing that free time yeah yeah yeah, well, like, yeah there's oh, that as like, well yeah because it doesn't feel like you're doing it no offense to anybody it doesn't feel like i'm doing anything you know and i try yeah. to do like, oh i'm i'm like i'm reading um um oh i'm totally blanking on the author right now um oh richard lee byers um i was just mm. looking at the richard b richard baker book the other day um, but um, yeah. reading his Rebels of Anaheim, I had him on a while back. He's one of my writing heroes. He's one of the three authors, Sam Ling, Cunningham, and R.S. Salvatore, that really made me be like, oh, I haven't read that. I should, I should. Oh, it's so yeah. good. I want to go, actually, I want to go later on today, get the, um, I, I got, I thought, I don't know why I had gotten them mixed up. We were at Barnes and Noble in Ohio. We were driving and I was like, oh, I'm going to pick up his book. And I didn't buy the the first one for some reason. I feel kind of stupid now, but um, yeah, it's, it was really, it's been, it's been amazing. Rebels of Anaheim, I highly recommend it, but you know, I'm reading through it and I'm like his though, it's a little bit different because I love his style and you know, like he's got these, um, you know, these, um, these undead in it. And I love his type yeah. of fantasy horror kind of thing. And he always does that with forgotten realms too, like back in the day. And I, I want that kind of style. So I'm, I, that's like one I'm actually am studying, you know, the craft and stuff so I can, spend a little less time writing but other books I'm like when they're not as similar to my writing style I feel like I'm like cheating on my writing and I I feel like I'm not doing anything and I'm like I can't convince myself yeah yeah like, I, I get what you're saying I think that I think there are two schools of thought on that I think the first I think you're right I think um yeah I think I I, I don't think you're, you're wasting time reading definitely because because no, if you're reading something if you're reading something similar to what to what you're writing it, it can give you a new perspective on things I yeah, think yeah. that's really interesting you know I read a 
I, I write, I mean, my, the stuff I write is quite dark. So when I'm reading, uh, you know, again, to come back to people like uh, Rob Hayes or, <laughs> or even more so people like Mike Fletcher, which is, uh, I love which is uh, dark, dark stuff. Um, that, that's certainly more, more towards the sort of stuff I'm doing. But then I, I will occasionally, you know, I'll go and read The Expanse or I'll go and read, you know, some, something completely different. But that's good as well, because I think you need to have a break sometimes from reading oh, things sure. that are similar to what you're writing. Yeah. And it gets you into a different headspace, which can be yeah. interesting as well, because it can open up. And in fact, you can find, you know, I think you can find inspiration from from stuff that's completely different from what you do. I mean, oh, I, really? I find inspiration from, you know, um, I read uh, Hex uh, the other day, which is by, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the author, uh, but that's a, a great horror story, uh, which a uh, very sort of creepy vibe and, and some good stuff in there that, that, uh, that gave me some ideas, you know, for for some of the stuff I was writing. So yeah, I think all of that is, uh, is, is compatible and interesting. Well, it's like, you know, my friend, he was like, he just suggested, you know, the Lee Childs to me. He's like, he goes, I know you haven't read yeah. in a long time. He's like, but you know, I like it because, you know, I know Mark Timoney is going to kill me for this, but I, you know, like, I know he, like some people don't like first person, but I, I actually am starting to feel like I write better in first person and it's sure. here for me. And so I'm trying to study and I, I actually have other urban fantasies that like, I don't think it's going to work for my zombies and Romans as much, but I have other ones like that are like Harry Dresden. Like I have a Valkyrie, yeah. a young Valkyrie. She finds out that she's, you know, like a descendant of a Valkyrie and um, there are different things and stuff. So she gets brought in by Odin and stuff to fill in for um, like, he's just kind of desperate and I don't want to give it away, but um, yeah, like I was like, well, that'd be a real cool, like first person book, you know? And, um, I have this like monster hunter type of guy who kind of like, um, like his order is like a ranger and, you know, it's kind of like a Van Helsing sort of thing. And I thought, well, that'd be a really cool one to do first person, like, you know, like, you know, like Dresden and like Jim Butcher, you know? So I've been really studying the Lee Childs because I, a lot of people really like that. And I like that everybody says those are airport books. And I'm like, well, I want to be the airport, <laughs> the fantasy version of an airport book, you know, and yeah. I want people just to go through and I want to be able to write that many and then just to read that many and, you know, have the overarching series and stuff. So I've been really studying what Lee Childs has been doing, but I still feel guilty when I'm not writing. <laughs> like as much. Sure, sure. Uh, sure, but I think you, you bring up you bring up an interesting point there about uh, sort of airport books and 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 the uh, sort of the readability, if I can say that. Of, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, totally. Of, of certain things because because I think what people don't realize is it's actually not that easy to write um, easy sort of easy no. approachable prose. You know, no. I think the first sort of drafts I was doing, and you can still see it in my first book, definitely, is the sort of first sort of drafts I was doing. I was going for a more uh, flowery flowery sort of prose and quite very descriptive and uh, a lot of sort of details and stuff going on and 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 I sort of found out that that's not really that's not really what I wanted um I wanted to go in the other direction something that would be that that's very fast-paced that sort of flowed and that you could get through as we we're saying earlier that you can get through quite easily and that you don't get you know um you don't get too bogged down with um with with a lot of the of the prose and uh, it's not that easy to do that it's not that easy to sort of say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna purposefully try and make something that's very easy to read and that is uh, you know descriptive but without being too descriptive and yeah. that we don't have pages and pages of describing what's going on and we don't have you know too complicated vocabulary unless the the scene or the character um uh, inspires that and and you have to sort of go back and then when you're editing and you go back and say like, okay well you know this is too complicated so I'll try and make it sort of easy and stuff and I think 
sometimes, as you talk, as you said, you know, air, air, airport, Brandon Sanderson to come back to him yet again. But you yeah, know, no, <laughs> what, are you gonna, what are you going to do? But Brandon Sanderson, uh, people people criticize um, his writing style. Some people criticize his writing style because they say it's um, it is a bit sort of simple. And I think sometimes people confuse uh, simple and easy flowing. And I think I think if he put his mind to it, he probably could write some quite complicated, flowery, poetic stuff. But he's made the conscious choice to go with, you know, to go broad, to go wide, basically, to, to write something that, uh, that, you know, everyone can read and everyone can get down with. And what, the stuff I like about his a lot of the stuff he does is that, um, you know, even if his books are incredibly, some would say, overly long, a lot of the prose, in fact, is quite easy to read. And so you actually find yourself, sort of, you know, telling, going through the pages at yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, quite a quite fast, quite fast speed because you're, uh, you know, you get easily hooked and uh, because yeah. the prose is so easy and, and flows yeah. well. Uh, and that's not that's not an easy thing to do. So someone like Lee Child, I think, who 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 uh, who writes uh, who writes from each. I mean, that's that's the same. I think the fact that it's easily approachable can can be a good thing. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, Brandon says that he's like, I'm not trying to be Patrick. He's like, Patrick. No, he's like, I'm not trying to be Stephen Erickson, you know, like. But Patrick stuff is great as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes reading after, you know, like we're my my best friend and I, we're book clubbing. We're on book. um, I don't even know. I'm losing track, like eight or whatever. That was in Book of the Fallen. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. You know, right before the cripple God. And we're like trying to finish. And I told my best friend, I was like, I'm a very veteran reader. And I'm like, I would not be able, I would have stopped for when memories of ice yeah. like that, if he hadn't been reading with me, because like, after I get done, yeah. I'm just like, I have a headache, you know, and that's like 30 pages of a hardcover book. And like, I'm it like, demands like, your attention, right? Yeah, totally. You know? And yeah, I just, I agree. I, like Brandon, when I was reading Warbreaker, I was on like page, I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit here for a minute. And then the next thing I knew, I was just like, holy crap. Like, it's like an hour and a half later. I'm like, I'm like, I'm yeah. 100. And I'm like, I have to get to bed, you know, and then I got another 50 pages done and I stayed up way too late. But, you know, that to me was like, I love that book. I hope that he does a two and three really soon for it. I, I love that world. I love the characters. I mean, he probably will, right? <laughs> He's so fast. I mean... to his, you know, yeah. How many words he does? Like, I think my friend, yeah. he actually subtract, you know, or, you know, divide his time. And he's like, he's got to be quicker than anybody, like. Yeah, he's 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 annoyingly fast because because he's he he's fast, but it's good. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you can uh, you talk about word count, but it's 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 not impossible to write. You know, in a day, it, he he sort of has these big writing days where he'll write ten thousand words in a day. You can write ten thousand words in a day, but but those ten the ten thousand good words is a different question yeah. altogether. You know, yeah. them to actually be good. I think that's what's great about him is that he can. To me, there's no surprise that he wrote, I don't know, four books in, <laughs> in a year and a half, you know, <laughs> just uh, incredible, incredible well, writing speed. But yeah, but certainly good. in the minority, I'd say, certainly yeah. minority. Like I said, though, 10,000 good words, I think, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's not trying to be Patrick, you know, and that's yeah. the thing, you know, like Absolutely. you can write 10,000 words and I'm, I'm always curious to see how many he's getting rid of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I that, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting more than the rest of us, you know, and that's why he's yeah. so quicker. So, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, when, 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 but, <laughs> um, I no, yeah, go ahead. Sure, uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, we actually get in and talk about your books, though. Uh, because yeah, sure. uh, so what is your series of War of the Twelve about? That was a great title, by the way. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, so, so the War of the Twelve is, is actually, um, 
kind of well, what the idea came from was about um, the sort of reliability of history, right? So it's this medieval inspired uh, epic fantasy uh, set in a sort of alternate medieval world. Um, but what I always found interesting, what I found interesting a lot of other epic fantasies that when I was reading them is how sort of um, immovable and and uh, and set in stone uh, history is, right? So whether it's the the sort of lowly peasant pulling in the fields or or the nobles that the main character uh, meets or all of these things, every everything that's happened in the last four or five hundred years is is taken as fact, right? There's yeah. never sort of and, and you have to think about how it was at the time. I mean, how was stuff recorded? Could 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 people read properly? Were the stuff archived properly? Was that, how was that, how was information sort of shared? You know, was it was it uh, was it sort of the nobles that shared what they knew with the with the with the peasants? And if so, they obviously put their own sort of spin on it. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. So I I, so I can't always find that really interesting. That you know, how do we know in all of these? Even going back to stuff like Dragonlance, even going back to stuff like you know, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. How do we know actually what all these people are talking about, these written histories we have that are hundreds of years old? How do we know how much of that is true? How much is fabrication? How much has changed over time, you know? And uh, I, I found that really interesting. So I thought, okay, well, I'll set out to write something which will be not necessarily focused on that, or that but that will be the backdrop, right? So, so what happens in, in my series is that Roughly uh, three three hundred years ago, before the events of the novel, um, humanity was pretty much on the brink of extinction. So uh, there were these uh, these creatures that came out uh, of the earth called uh, graylings, which lived in these really deep pits underground, right? And sort of three hundred years ago, they came out of the earth. They started attacking the human tribes that were uh, eking out a living on this uh, on this uh, continent. Um, uh, three hundred years ago, scattered human tribes, and the human tribes were basically slaughtered, right? Because there was there's no cohesion, there was no unity. The tribes there was a lot of infighting, there was disease, all that sort of thing. And right when they were on the brink of extinction, these twelve beings appeared among them. So. Uh, sort of demigod-like uh, beings, and they helped uh, sort of unify the human tribes, um, bring them together, push back these grainings under the earth, and that's pretty much where history stops. So after they pushed the gradings back, they sort of then dispersed the tribes, they walked among the tribes themselves, and they uh, they um, they founded these knightly orders called the Order of the Twelve. So each of the twelve founded their own their own knightly order, right? And uh, then they just kind of disappeared, and that's pretty much all we know. And and when the the, the story starts three hundred years later, um, the 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 knightly orders have pretty much disappeared. We don't really know what's happened to them. We have no idea what happened to the twelve whatsoever. Um, and uh, as the first book starts, so the very first book in the series, which is called oh, The Broken Heart of Aurelium, so it looks something like this. So this is the first book in the series. So this starts with um, one, of the, one of the main characters in this book, who's a, a guy called Merad Reed. So he is guarding uh, this place called the pit, right? So the pit is actually one of the places that these all these gradings fled back into when they were vanquished by the the twelve uh, three hundred years ago. Um, but since that's pretty much been lost to history, so no one really knows actually why they're guarding these pits. And he was sort of roped into this. Um, he was uh, he was uh, pretty much fed up of his of his life up to that date. He's in his forties when the, when the novel starts, and he spent. 
about 20 years of his life guarding this pit, watching this pit without really knowing why. They're just, it's part of this old tradition. He's part of this, uh, of this uh, group of soldiers called the Old Guard. And they just have this tradition that they go and conscript people from the outlying villages, bring them to this pit. There's a wall around the pit. And uh, he's just basically been there for the last 20 years, making sure nothing happens without really knowing why, you know, all that's been lost to, lost to history. And uh, yeah, that's when the book starts. And as you can imagine, as you can see on the cover, that things don't really go too well. And yeah. um, uh, there's one of the, uh, as the book starts, one of the uh, Knights of the Twelve. So one of these, one of the Knights from the Order of the Twelve. So these are the orders that were made by the, the Twelve before they disappeared, arrives at the pit and says, uh, you know, oh my God, oh my God, um, something, something bad is about to happen. And uh, that's pretty much where, where things kick off. So uh, yeah, he's the he's the main character we follow uh, through a lot of the, the first book, and the second character we follow is um, uh, a uh, a woman called uh, Julia Delarellium. So Julia Delarellium is um, heiress to the Barony of Aurelium, which is where the the first novel takes place, and she is pretty much reluctant to step into her role as heiress. She's been um, She's been uh, sequestrated. She's been pretty much locked away by her father, uh, who hasn't doesn't let her out very much. And she spends her days with her nose in books and scrolls and things like that, trying to get ready for the inevitable time when she'll have to step up and take her father's place. And uh, she doesn't especially want to do so. So um, what I find is quite interesting in this first book is is are these two reluctant heroes? So Reed obviously had no idea what was going to happen with the pit and all, all that's going to happen with all of that. And Julia uh, Delarayim is thrust into the same sort of situation. It's a situation she doesn't want to be in. Um, and exploring how uh, extraordinary events uh, affect ordinary people. I always find it really interesting to write about ordinary people, right? Or at least people that don't have, uh, you know, I, I wanted to avoid the the traditional tropes of having the chosen one or of having the, the uh, you know, the, the all-powerful being or having all of that. I think it's really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s, you know, but having having a, an older protagonist and having people sure. have already been a little bit through the ringer, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're, they're a bit world-weary and they're, uh, they're not necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily excited. When you, when you read things about, you, you know, you read the Wheel of Time or you read a lot of these, these great sporting fantasies, it's often the, uh, young doe-eyed um, protagonist who's raring to go off on an adventure yep. even 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 something like the world of time you know uh, very slight spoilers for the first book but uh, uh, the the main character is, is forced into into an adventure by uh, events that uh, transpire around his village and uh, he doesn't seem too bummed out about you know going off on an adventure he seems quite you know he seems, he seems up for it um, and I always thought, oh, you know, I, if, it, if, it, if something like that happened to me, uh, you'd have to you'd have to drag me along. You know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't necessarily be uh, chomping at the bit to go off yeah, and get yeah. involved in these sort of things. But if you were thrust into this sort of situation, this sort of extraordinary situation, you know, if you were if you were thrust into a, a city that was under siege or if you had to flee, uh, you know, uh, if you were being chased by um, th this evil that came out, out of the earth and that sort of thing, how would you react? What would you what would you do? Yeah, I found that interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. I like we talked uh, with quite a few authors who now are, you know, we talked about those POVs. We're like, not everybody that's going to read your book is going to be a twenty-year-old like the main character, you know. And it's nice that you have somebody because you, you are talking about an entirely different 
set of circumstances that determine your character and I feel like like I I personally always like Lan because you know Lan's like you know like almost 40 if he's not already 40 in book one and yeah you know I he's experienced you know and he has such an interesting backstory and background he's my favorite character um you know so as I'm going through the books like he just gets cooler and cooler to me especially as I get older I'm like yeah like he you know his joints still work you know like he he can still turn <laughs> anybody you know, but I do, I like that though, because it is a whole different, it just gives you a whole different set of expectations and experiences to work with that isn't atypical. So that's, that sounds really cool to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's sort of like the main, um, yeah, that's something like the main story, but we definitely have, uh, as I was saying earlier, this, the, these breadcrumbs that are sprinkled throughout the different books that the things aren't exactly you know as they seem why 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 did the the 12 disappear why why the 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 gradings the the antagonists of the the series why are they sort of returning now you know um what what are the reasons behind that and and uh i think that that i think that hopefully is the hook that will keep keep people reading from book to book is how you know each each novel we found out a bit more um about what's going on and eventually i hope so there are three books out at the moment. So this is the first one, which is The Broken Heart of Aurelium. And then we have the second one here. I don't have three hands, so I'll have to put one down in a minute. So this is the second one, which is The Ashen Hand of Kesrin. And then we have the third one, which is here, which is um, The Burning Tears of Morlach. So they all, uh, they all happen in different locales. And um, the fourth one is called The Obsidian Eyes of Cleef, and that will be out in June. So that's the that's the end of, of the series in, in June. Oh, wow. That'll be the that'll be the last one. Um, yeah, and and originally it was going to be a trilogy when I started thinking about it. And um, again, coming back to prose and coming back to writing style and coming back to sort of fast-paced um, books that, that flowed well. When I sort of started uh, separating it out into chapters, I thought, oh, you know, is, is it it's either going to be three. 150k books or 375k books or I could sort of split it into four books and have these four four novels that are all about 100k right and uh, I, I decided to go that way in the end because I thought it it, it, um, it lent itself well to sort of books I wanted to write I wanted to write books that you you don't have to think too much about that you can get through fairly easily you know that aren't too long as we're saying uh, that you can finish in a couple of sittings and uh, have this sort of serialized aspect you know all, all the books all the books have an ending but there's always the, uh, the little epilogue that uh, that hopefully will lead you into the next book in the series and I wanted to keep that kind of like a tv series really you know kind of keep that serialized thing going throughout the throughout the four books. No I think that's smart I, I like how you mentioned that too because I don't think a lot of people you know have have thought about that I think people you know you see a lot more duologies today you know you see a lot more people yeah we've been doing like five books you know and I don't think yeah. necessarily I think you know if you if you write the story and you're you know you're pacing in a certain way or you know your expectations are you know are met with each book I, I definitely think that you know, I think everybody thinks you have to do a trilogy you know or you have to do you know two trilogies and you know I definitely think that you know if you you know, do it the right way. I think anybody, like, I, I never care. I, like, like I saw yours, I'm like, oh, cool. There's four, you know, I'm like, let's do it. You know, I've seen some duologies. I've seen some fives. I'm like, you know, I've seen a lot of different things. I'm like, if it's a good story, you know, a lot of times I want them to be more, you know, like I want one yeah, yeah. after a trilogy, you know? So for yours, I was like, oh, that's exciting, you know, to hear. So yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's something that a lot more people 
you know, you, you really need to think about and consider, you know, like I know everybody does a trilogy, but do you have to, you know, and you know, it's nice, I think, with a four or five, so. I read something the other day. I don't know if it's true. It might be. It might be complete and utter uh, rubbish. But uh, I, I read that um, it was actually sort of Tolkien who who, who started this whole trilogy thing, <laughs> and that because because the Lord of the Rings was so successful, and the trilogy, the three books that form the Lord of the Rings, is that it was then that other publishers, you know, when when fantasy started to become a thing, it was then that other publishers sort of started saying, oh yeah, you know, but we, you know, you, okay, you're doing fantasy. Well, you need to do like Tolkien. You have to do the three books. You know. And it's only since uh, basically the, the late 90s, really, that people have started to branch out and do different things yep. and do two books, as you're saying, two books, four books, uh, Malazan, 10 books, <laughs> and counting, uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I, I, think, uh, I think you're right. I think it's very interesting. I think it depends on the story you want to you wanna tell, really. I think, uh, you know, I think some, someone, some, some, something like The Wheel of Time, I, I, uh, I think could have maybe been slightly shorter but that was the story oh, I wanted yeah. to tell so that's fine and so if it takes you know 13 books whatever that that's fine that's great I mean take take the time you need to you know Jim Butcher is uh is uh I think up to 20 or 21 or in the oh, Dresden I'm not quite, I, I, get, I get lost but it's something like that so if that's if that if you have I just it, you just don't want things to get stale do you it's kind of like uh tv or cinema or anything really as long as as long as you have those those ideas and those stories I mean I knew that Again, I think everyone is different, but I knew that when I started thinking about it, I knew uh, I knew the rough outline of what I wanted to write. So I knew that uh, you know I wanted it to finish in such a manner. So I always have my when I I always have a very rough plan of what I want to do. So I have my A, my A and my B point, right? But then how I get there, I kind of go along the country road, or I can go up into the mountains, or I can go down by the river. And the, the actual way I get to my point B is going to be, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. But at least I know what that ending is. And I try and not touch those, those last few chapters, the last few chapters of the last book, which is being edited at the moment, which will be out in, in June. Those last few chapters have, have, have pretty much haven't changed since I already, since I thought them up, sorry, uh, a couple of years ago. But how we've actually got there has changed. So yeah. I think if there's some of people, you know, they have, people should have their, their rough beginning and ending in mind but then obviously things can change along the way that's 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 normal yeah no I think that I think that makes total sense I think that's why a lot of people you know um get kind of I don't know if it's scared but you know they kind of I think they're worried of changing things too much you know particularly if it's you know a book four or five or even a duology you know and then I've had some people like I had a novella that turned into an entire book and then now I think sure. it's make yeah. it a trilogy. and I'm like well it's whatever you know I I think if you keep it organic and keep it flexible you know and you know you never know I I, I think it was Stephen King that I saw a good quote you know he's like you're never actually going to know the story you're you know you're going to tell until you actually tell it um yeah that was you know that made total sense and you know I think if you're you know if you're just just let the story tell itself and I talked to a couple people about this and um uh, last weekend where it's like you know like I have one character in my own fantasy series where it's like you know he decided he wanted to be after draft one he was like nope I don't like my life I don't like <laughs> you have to come up with an entirely new world based off of you know partly this sure. idea a new social structure history culture I'm like I'm like you're an a-hole you know I'm like yeah I like you now <laughs> you know I'm like I you're a jerk I'm like just just get out of here and he's like no I'm central to the story and I'm like oh my god so I've kind of taken a break from it, but it's funny, you know, when, you know, your story and those characters really, you know, in the plot even, you know, or maybe something cool you came up with really 
you know, leads you to those things. So it is interesting though. Like you said, like, I have heard a lot of people say like, Oh, I I've had the ending in the series in mind, you know, like, well, yeah, yeah. that, you know, for a long time with cradle and yeah, I'm not that forward thinking, but I like that people like you are <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and do that. But yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It's funny how a lot of people have said that you just said like, kind of like a very similar thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely think if, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid, you know, they know where they want their series to go, but they're afraid to change the things in between, you know, they're afraid of that journey. And I'm like, just take the journey, let it take you. And, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, 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 I think that's part of the fun as well. The, the, the yeah. unknown quantity is, is, is can, can be quite fun as well, because as you, I know it, it sounds, it sounds, uh, I don't know if, it, if it's arrogance or whatever, but I, I think uh, you hear a lot of authors say, you know, I, I feel like I know these characters, like they're my friends and that sort of thing. And, and it's not completely false that you do when you're, when you're writing, when you have the voices of those characters in your head, as you're sort of going through, you do come to certain crossroads where you think okay well I want to write it like this as you were saying I want to write it like this but the character wouldn't do that or the character doesn't doesn't think like that so you know I have to go a different direction and it can lead to some quite interesting twists that you wouldn't necessarily have thought up yourself and you're sort True. of informed by the character's actions yeah. of how things are going to change so that I found pretty interesting definitely yeah I asked my best friend I was like so this jerk of a constable now wants to be a thief taker and I was like, <laughs> you know like I explained what it would mean socially and in terms of, cause I want people to see like the city as a character. I just, I really like yeah, sure. people do that. Like, like Rob J Hayes, you know? And yeah, you know, I'm like, like, it's just so much better. And I was, I was like, it's going to change all these things. And my friend's like, you know, he always tells me the, the truth. He's like, that just sounds so much cooler. You know, he goes, you never know how it's going to make everything else cooler. And all the other characters I'm like, fine. So that's my, this summer I'm going draft two and I'm going to rewrite it like his perspective. And, you know, fix things from his experience being a thief taker, but I had to do all the research. I had to figure it out. And then I feel like, you know, the, the amount of things that changed, you know, which I do think it changed for the better. It was, it was pretty crazy, but I, I definitely, you know, once I was like, at first I tried to fight it and then I was like, now nah, I'm just going to go with it. Um, you know, and that's like, um, Fletcher said that the other day for their podcast, you know, you never know when, you know, it's going to lead you down a certain path. He was like, well, I usually, I find that that ends up being a better path for the story. So yeah i agree yeah yeah that, that's why releasing books is long right because i <laughs> people always think okay you're writing i don't know hundred thousand words whatever you know if you if you if you manage to write i don't know it's you manage to write a thousand words a day just for, for convenience sake that means that if you write consistently every day that basically means that in two months whatever you you've or three months you've written you've written your your novel right but of course it's not that at all because if you write consistently a thousand words every day, what you're going to have after your two months or your three months is uh, your first draft. And your first draft <laughs> is, I mean, I, I, I've heard other authors call it this, but my first draft is definitely a vomit draft. Like right? it's something you, you spewed out <laughs> of, your, <laughs> of your mouth. Or you want to read it, you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my, what is this trash? Basically yep. is what you say when you, when you start reading that. So before you even allow anyone else to see it whatsoever, I normally go through at least a couple of drafts uh, before I let anyone else see it at all. Not even the editor, no one, not even. Yeah, I mean, even I, I hate reading it. I think this is this is this is trash. And it's only once you've once you've yeah you've gone through I'd say two or three rereads that it's something you can just about manage to read without feeling sick. And uh, yeah, and then it goes through all the editing process and, and all of that stuff. And then you finally get something you're more or less happy with. But I'm never, I'm never 100% satisfied with stuff. I, mean, I put stuff out because I want to I 
carry on telling the story or not go on to other things. But if it if it was me, for example, now I'm I'm like holding myself back from going back and rewriting some of the earlier stuff. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd always I'd always want to try and try and change things and, and stuff. But obviously, you can't you can't let yourself once it's once it's put out. You're gonna have to you have to leave it, move on to other things. But it's it's difficult. No, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, did you know that you, I'm really curious about this one now, since you mentioned, you know, that you had that ending in mind. So did you, so right away, did you plan on writing a series then? Like you were like, oh, this is going to be, you know, like this is going to be. Yeah. 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 Kind of, kind of. Um, as, as I said, I, I definitely, I definitely had that ending in mind. I didn't know how long it would take me to get to it though. So I think, um, it was, it was definitely going to always always going to be more than one book I actually I actually wrote the first one and about three quarters of the second one before I even even thought about publishing anything at all so those first two books so the the uh, Aurelium and uh, and Kestrin were both written pretty much uh, one after the other um, and uh, yeah so I knew that was going to happen and as I was sort of writing the second one I thought oh you know this is going to be more than two books this is going to be three and then I it ended up being four but yeah it was definitely it's definitely always going to be planned to be several books yeah yeah uh, but again that's that is very that's very different depending on the person I know there are people I mean there are people that for a hundred thousand book um, novel will write a forty thousand word outline yeah, you know, there are people that will that will that will literally outline every chapter, and there are people that will that will write their chapters with you know uh, main character goes here, and then they'll put dialogue, and then they'll put you know uh, then he goes to <laughs> he goes on his horse and he gallops off and he kills some people, and then he comes back and, <laughs> and 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 but but you know and and it will be it will be basically a novella length outline, and so then when they actually go around to get around to writing it, it's uh, it then becomes very so if you structure out several books like that. You have you you're, you're sort of set, aren't you? And then you can you can write. Uh, I don't know how much uh, Sanderson outlines actually. I think he does outline a fair bit, to be honest, which probably explains because if you have a if you have quite a a detailed outline, that is going to affect your word count as well, right? If you already know more or less where you're going, what you're going to be writing, when you actually get down to writing it, you have your outline. You said, okay, well, you get up, so okay, okay, well, I'll do some little descriptive prose about him galloping away with his with his hair in the wind and his horse neighing and all that stuff. And uh, and if you don't have that then you have to sort of think up all that stuff as you as you're writing and so your word count obviously turns out to be a bit slower so it's different different ways of doing things I think for the to come back to your question about series single single novels trilogies all that stuff I think it's the same thing I think I think either you have a a fairly a fairly uh, well thought out outline of how things are going to go so you already know how many books it's going to be you already know what your ending is going to be you already go you might even know where your chapter breaks are going to be or you, it's somewhere in between. And I mean, it was that I had my ending and I, I, I didn't know how many books it would take me to get there, but I always knew it was only several books. It's funny that you say that too, like with Brandon, like I do know for a fact, like he, um, he so he does, you know, pretty, pretty decent outlines, but he also, yeah. to get in the heads of his characters, you know, he'll write like, you know, 10 pages, you know, just full of sure. words, you know, just to get into, not even that he, he doesn't even use, you know, most of the stuff, but, you know, just yeah. to discuss, he, he discovery writes his characters and in their heads. And then once he's got that down, then he goes for the outline and, you know, adds those types of things in or flushes it out. So I definitely think that, you know, the, like those are, those are great strategies. I, I'm trying to get better at my outlines, like from now until the summer. Yeah. I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get definitely one done. So I'll have one rough draft done for one book and then 
I'm hoping with my Romans versus zombies to have like a really great outline. Like that's one thing I've been working on is my outline. Um, you know, cause I'm hoping to get better at it. So it saves me time. And then, you know, over the winter, I'll be doing, you know, re-outlining a few other books. So that way I can just kind of, you know, get those rough drafts done. And then next two summers from now, try and, you know, flesh a couple of them out. But I, I'm not very good at outlining. I think if you are, like, kudos to you. And, you know, I'm like, I can't just sit around and I'm trying to be more efficient, you know, with my job mm. and everything. It's like, we're trying to have a baby. It's like, I need to figure out how to be more efficient now so that later on, you know, I can, you know, get things out a lot quicker. I do think it just comes yeah. down to finishing, you know, your first book, like actually, and then learning from, like you were saying, you know, right from the start, you know, learning those different things from it and, you know, ways to be more efficient. Your free time will go down a bit when you have a kid. <laughs> Word of warning. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Right now, I don't have a lot anyway. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of like, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like, yeah, you know, exactly. I have to do stuff. I was like, I'll do it now. I'm like, I'm not doing it next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, how do you go about your world building? Yeah, so so uh, I'm I'm not I'm not really what you would call a history buff, but I do I mean that sort of medieval uh, me, the, the medieval epoch is something I'm I'm very, I'm, I'm interested in without being you know not a sort of scholarship sort of level, but I, it's something I've always been very interesting. And what's really great where I live, I live in um, I live in an area of France which is called the Loire Valley, right? So the Loire Valley is a, is a, is an area of Western France uh, where there are a whole load of castles. So. There's basically, I don't know, it's a ludicrous amount. It's thousands, thousands upon thousands, basically, oh, wow. because it was, it was, it was an area that was uh, obviously uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, wine and vineyards and that sort of thing going on, and it was uh, also uh, an area that was it was contended quite a lot because it was, you know, if you've heard of Joan and Arc and all that, all of that stuff, uh, Hundred Years War and all that sort of thing. So there's a lot of a lot of medieval history going on uh, around where I am. So all of these all these big sporting castles that are with, within half hour drive. And uh, so that finds, that makes it very easy to go out and research stuff. So I went out uh, to a lot of those castles and, and looked around them and had lots of ideas pop in my head about that. And uh, there are also a lot of places uh, around here where you can actually go and experience um, a lot of medieval weaponry and armor and that sort of thing firsthand. So uh you can there's a place i went to for example you can go and fire a loaded crossbow and you can oh, go and cool. uh, and try and some play armor and stuff like that and uh all of that's really interesting and, and, and because that that medieval uh sort of uh yeah that that those i'd say it's sort of between 14th and 16th century that sort of period is a period i'm interested in because i was interested in it i wanted it to be in the books so that was definitely why uh, it was set in the it's an alternate medieval uh world um I uh, and then from there I, I pretty much uh drew up a sort of history basically. Uh so, so then I I went, okay, so here this is where the characters are now. You know, this is 400 years ago when when uh, when uh, things started to uh, to get a bit iffy. And I went sort of through those 400 years thinking, okay, well, what what's what what sort of happened since then? So uh, when the 12 appeared, as I said earlier, uh, they appeared the, those 400 years ago, and then they left 300 years later, uh, 100 years later. Sorry, um, what 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 do they sort of do through that period? Obviously, they would have uh, you know they would have founded cities, they would have opened up trade routes. They were basically there to give humanity a bit of a, a bit of a boost uh, towards uh, sort of culture and scientific evolution. So. They they would have they would have done all those things and once you start thinking about that you can think about how they sort of did it and how it went on and things like that and it sort of springs up organically uh, from from there onwards really and I'd say the only difference when you start doing stuff like that is that you have to separate um, historical fiction to fantasy right yeah. so um, 
one example out of many examples is uh, in my, the guy who's on the cover of the first book. So this guy, so he's another character that um, Mered read, uh, meets is a guy called Aldrin. He's one of the Knights of the Twelve. And he wears uh, full plate armor. So he's armored pretty much everywhere. Now, uh, <laughs> if, it, if it was historical fiction, he would basically need help getting anywhere, right? I mean, yeah. plate armor is heavy. Yeah. So he'd need help getting up and up and off his horse. He'd need help, uh, you know, some of them needed help sitting down. Uh, you know, they need help getting upstairs. Uh, knights, knights of yore, basically, you know, when you see them in, in films and when you see them, <laughs> when you read about them, it's it's a uh, far cry from reality. They would basically just sit on their horse. Basically, if you could, if you're a pikeman, right, and you could you could kill a knight's horse, you'd pretty much won because the knight would fall off, it'd fall to his back, and then you yeah. could just go and stand over him and just shove your yeah. shove your pike, your halberd through his through his visor, and that that'd be that. Uh, so obviously you then you then have to take historical accuracy and and uh, as I said it's supposed to be action packed my novel so if it has a lot of knights falling off their horses and getting stabbed to death it wouldn't be very interesting. <laughs> so then you have to take that and then you have to take you know the 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 fun side of fantasy. So so this guy who's wearing heavy plate armor he still sort of rolls and jumps around and, <laughs> and things like that. I always laugh when I but, see it in the movies when they get knocked off then they yeah back up and I'm like all right <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they would, you know, uh, the, the, the armor, it offered, I mean, plate armor offered fairly good protection, but you'd still take, I mean, if they took a crossbow bolt, for example, I mean, that would just rip right through that, like it was butter. And, and, and so you have to take, you know, you have to take certain liberties, I think, when you're writing, yeah. when you're writing fantasy, but I definitely wanted to go back to world building. I definitely wanted uh, my sort of love for, for that medieval, those, those, those two centuries uh, to, 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 to get them into the book oh that's cool have you ever thought of taking your 12 um and doing like a oh um i can't remember who the author was brandon sanderson talked about the author in one of his podcasts they did like a science fiction story where the gods were actually just more advanced beings um with technology and things like that um yeah it's always interesting to me like yeah yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the case to be honest, because because you know because they imparted they I mean there was it there wasn't I I I, I know what you're getting I know what you're getting at but uh, yeah you're thinking more like um, almost sort of like Star Trek levels of, uh, of technological yeah, yeah, distance yeah, yeah. right so when you have the when the enterprises to arrive on these on these yeah, uh, yeah. on these planets and they were way ahead of the uh, of what civilization yeah that's a really interesting concept and it, and it, and it is kind of like that the twelve in my novels it's it, that's an interesting point that it is kind of like that but I'd say not as far-fetched as that so they'd have they have they don't have knowledge of I don't know gunpowder or electricity or anything mm. like that but they they have they're far enough ahead technologically wise that they would I don't know to give you an example they they would uh, they they know how to make uh, carracks which are these big medieval um, which on the front of this color down the bottom so they so so the so, so the 12 know how to make uh, catapults and they know how oh, to okay. make uh, a ballista and they know how to make uh, you know they know how to make weapons of war they know how to uh, one of them, uh, Bracura, he's uh, he's a sort of good at engineering. So he, uh, so before he came, the human tribes used to just live in huts and, and wooden palisades and stuff. And he was the one that sort of got them into uh, quarrying stone and making stone fortifications and stuff like that. So you're right, there is that technological difference uh, that 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 I think contributed to them being seen as gods as well. Apart from the fact that they they're also bigger and and, and stronger than than the, the normal humans, but that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. That difference in in, in technology can often be misconstrued as um, yeah. as, uh, as 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 godliness. You're right. Yeah, it's interesting. 
Well, that's really cool. Um, so you talked about a little bit, but what are the most important pieces for character development in terms of your writing process? Yeah, so I think it comes back to relatability, uh, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, I think it's, I think sure. it's, it's possible to write characters that you have at, that you don't relate to at all. But I think it's much more difficult, uh, and and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean relatability has to be likable, right? You can write yeah. you can write um, characters that are that you can relate to, but that aren't that aren't very <laughs> that aren't very nice. I mean, you yeah. think of uh, uh, the 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 main character in, in Mark Larson's Prince of Thorns. Mm -hmm. uh, is 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 not a very likable character, yeah. and uh, even going up to I don't know st uh, stuff like Severus Snape and Harry Potter and things like that. I mean, they're not they're not necessarily likable characters, but they are relatable characters. Yeah, you yeah. can un you can understand why what they're doing, what they're doing, and I think it's I think interesting characters are characters that are, uh, are flawed a bit as well, right? So so yeah. going back to uh, to Mered Reed and Jelia Delorean, there are people that. Um, uh, there are people that I mean, Merritt Reed. He's uh, he's short-tempered. He's disillusioned. He's uh, you know he thinks he's wasted his life. He doesn't really want to fight unless he has to. He has to. He's uh, he's not very sociable. You know, he has all of these um, <laughs> all of these flaws. And again, July is 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 uh, is lacking in self-assurance, and uh, you know doesn't think she's ready to uh, to take up her legacy and that sort of thing. And I think that exploring the flaws that these characters have um is, is really important in character development and then you can see over the course of the novels how these characters evolve i think um it's quite interesting actually because uh because um some authors say they don't read their reviews i always think you should read your your, your reviews you get on your work whether they're good or bad but um some of the more critical reviews i've had have been about the julia character who um a lot of some, some reviews have said you know well she comes across as a bit naive and as a bit um uh, is a bit, uh, yeah, lacking self-assurance and, uh, and, 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 uh, uh, sort of like she takes second stage to a lot of the, a lot of what's going on in the first novel and she doesn't make any decisions and she's, she gets sort of dragged around by the other characters, but she doesn't actually, as a point of view character, she doesn't actually have, uh, a, a lot of decision-making that she's doing herself. You know, she's very, almost subservient to a lot of uh, what's going on. Mm. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, okay, well, that's a fair criticism, but good, because that's what I wanted. The, the, okay. the, the whole point of that character is that it's someone who starts off being very subservient. And, you know, you have to remember this is someone that's, that's, that hasn't been allowed out of her room all that much and, okay. and, and, and has had very little social gathering and stuff. And I think that's interesting as well in character development is just having someone that's in a certain position when you start writing. And then by the time you get to the end of your series, Julia is 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 probably one of my favorite characters, but Julia is someone who goes through a massive amount of change throughout the four books. She's, she's someone who starts off as 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 I said, as, as someone who's uh, who's completely <laughs> yeah completely being dominated by everything around her, uh, and then goes on through the books to find her own path and 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 to develop and uh, and to, to find a, a strength she has as well. You know, to become stronger and and to become more independent and stuff like that. I, I find that interesting. I find a character that that has nothing that doesn't evolve at all over the course of, of the novels, whether it's in yeah. a good way or a bad way, I find that less interesting. No, I, I totally agree. Like um like Christopher G. Brenning's like the Hellborn King. I he had just like shared a review the other day and somebody got like 33% of the way through and was like, oh, these characters aren't relatable. And I'm like, well, because they're that they're super flawed at the beginning. Sure. And if yeah. you don't get through it, I'm like, you're not seeing you know, like you're not getting the full fruition of what happened. Like one character, like Gareth, for instance, I mean, I'm like, he's got to be one of the best written characters I've seen, you know, in terms of character development. And I'm like, well, if you yeah. get through 
60% of the book. Like, you know, if you, you know, I'm like, of course they're not, you know, I'm like, it's, I don't know. But I was like, every character that he had, I'm like, like major character. I'm like, I've known somebody like that, you know, or felt like, yeah, that. yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm like, so sometimes, yeah, I think people, this only thing I think sometimes that's bad about Marvel movies is like, like you take someone like Thor, right? Well, he has other things that he's working through, but he's already got his powers and situated, you know, and really like there are other things that he's dealing with. So I think some people, you know, think that every character's got to be like that, you know, and even if you just take out the first movie for each of them, you know, and then go second, third or the Avengers, it's like in terms of character development, I don't know. I think they're kind of underdeveloped if you think of, you know, like, I agree. Yeah. You know, I think everybody thinks, oh, your character's got to have all their crap together here. And it's like, no, like that's not character development then. Like you actually have to read through the books to actually see their character develop. And I think some people are impatient when it comes to character development or they, you know, but it's really like those kind of reviews or criticisms. I just, I do find interesting. And obviously I think Mm -hmm. everything's helpful, but it is interesting to see that pop up more and more because I just, I'm starting to feel that people don't understand character development. You know, like, <laughs> you, 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 know like, you want people yeah. to read about your character and her experiences and her change. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's not going to do all that in the first book. She might make some progress or, you know, but it might only be like one time sticking up for herself or one time, like, I want to go here versus exactly. taking charge. It's like, that's not character development. I just think some, you know, and like we were talking the other day with some authors on here a couple times, actually, two weekends ago. I've, you know, about like, you know, reader expectations and also like reader education, you know, because I think some people, yeah. you know, like, like now, like knowing more about writing and craft, I have a much greater appreciation of things I've read or things I'm currently reading, you know, and I'm, I find I'm a more patient author now or reader now, you know, now yeah. that, you know, writing more and stuff and I'm seeing what people are doing. I'm like, if that's not, you know, like sometimes it, you know, there are mistakes, but you know, I do, you know, like situations like yours, I just feel like, and Chris's, I just think that some people just aren't educated enough into craft, you know, or just not patient enough to actually see the, the actual character development. So it just, it's kind of interesting. It's popping up more and more, I feel like lately. But again, I think it comes from TV and movies, like where the characters, basically in the first movie is done, you know, and then the, yeah. everything else is like, it just happens after, you know, and yeah. a lot of people covered up and I'm like, well, that's not great writing. Like, no offense, but like, that's not great writing, you know, like, I don't know. Like you look at like Black Panther, like I love that movie because I felt like there was a lot of like he was flawed in Civil War. Yeah. Know? And like right off the bat, you know, with his father dying and then sorry yeah. to anybody, but then, you know, in Black Panther, and, <laughs> I don't know. I just I thought like they did a great job with it. And I was really excited, you know, and very, you know, sad that he passed away. I was very excited to see where that character yeah. was going to go because I felt like they really nailed, you know, his character development and they hadn't really had Black Widow, you know, like she's another one, you know. Um, I think like they do a great job, I think with her character, you know, going throughout, cause she's not just done in the first movie with, you know, an Iron no. Man movie. like she actually, she, you know, she has got a lot of facets and they, you know, they go through those. And I think she's mm-hmm. one of the better written characters personally from a writing standpoint, you know, cause she actually develops in every movie that she's in. Yeah, I agree. She's dealing with a different I agree. Character. I agree. Okay. I think what's... I was going to say what what's interesting as well. You to, to talk about character development. I always find it more jarring when um, when uh, uh, a character isn't consistent more than more than you know actual 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 development. So if you know you're reading something and and someone who's been acting a certain way suddenly decides not to just you know off the <laughs> in the spur of the moment, I always find that harder to swallow than someone. It pulls who, me out of the book. 
you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, someone someone like July who's having difficulty finding her feet in the first novel, I would find it very jarring if suddenly she decided to take control, or if suddenly she decided to uh, to 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 I don't know lead the counterattack or decide how to defend the city or something like that. I'd say, well, well, she's 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 been locked away for half her life. Why is she now starting, you know, giving orders to people? And 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 so you have to you have to be consistent. And 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 if she then did that in the third book or the fourth book, I'd find that more believable because she's been through more uh as the story develops. So I think that's important. Yeah, no, I I think uh I totally agree. I think back to Uchard of Edinburgh, you know, I love the last time. oh yeah. I love it because even though he develops, you know, if he's <laughs> yeah. somebody that he loves or cares about or respects, you know, like he's going to do the right thing, no matter how bad it's going to be for himself, especially himself, but everybody else. And, you know, season five, I'm like on episode six. I'm just like, oh, my God. This oh, crazy. man, you're going to have to. Uh, yeah, oh. you're going to have to get through those last episodes. Yeah, I'm that's great. That, well, that, that, that's uh... so difficult. And I'm like, I, you know, because you feel so much for him. And I've been trying to yeah. watch the show before reading. Um, the Pale Horseman and, and going through the rest of the books, those are on yeah. summer. But like, you know, like I love season three and four because like you you know, even though as he develops, you know, and you know, he changes, like he's still like there are certain things that he's not gonna change, you know. And um, I just I love those things. Like in season five, you know, it's it's not spoilers because it's in the preview, you know, when um, you know, they go after her, you know, his daughter, like you know he's gonna stop at nothing and anybody that gets in his way, he's going to either tell you off or kill you to get to, you know, his daughter and save her. And I'm like, you know, like that, like I come back to that character and that, you know, the show, you know, and like his men too, you know, like he'll do anything to protect them and, you know, like yeah. look out, you know, and I just, you know, like I, those are things that I love about his character. And if they did change those key things, and if those key things were not consistent, I would not be watching the show. Over. It'd be weird, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it'd, be, it'd be weird. That, that, that is that is just uh, that is just TV done right. That I mean, I agree. To, to, I agree. to me, to, to me, yeah. the, the, the last thing is just you know, it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird because uh, you have stuff like you know, World of Time, which which went in a completely opposite direction, in my opinion, into like production values and, uh, and 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 stuff like that, and and I, I just think that the something like The Last Kingdom, which obviously has us, uh, I think has a smaller budget than something like Wheel of Time. Yeah, but the, the 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 decors and the like the sets and the just the the production design on that show is just amazing. Everything looks lived in, you know, there there's there are loads of sweeping vistas and wide shots and yep. It's incredible. All the actors are, are, are great. You know, uh, I really, uh, yeah, it's a really great, really great production. It has, it had been since the the very first, uh, the very yeah. first series, really. But it's just been, you know, that consistent quality throughout the uh, throughout the series. You know, it really, really inspiring to see something like that. Great, great series. No, I agree, and you know, it really makes me. That's like the Jack Reacher series. I was like, oh, I was like, you know, yeah. I was like, well, like Tom Cruise ruined it for me and I didn't go read it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and um, the more I, you know, heard about the series, I was like, okay, I will give them a shot. Well, the show, like, you know, like I thought it was brilliant. Like, and I'm like reading The Killing Floor, you know, at, just after yeah. we finished the show last week. And yeah. after I'm going through, it was like, you know, like a week later. And I'm literally, you can literally see the shot for shot. In yeah. Bed. Yeah. And I'm like, great you know, respect for the source material. Exactly exactly yeah. and you know you could just tell like that's you know even one part where he just takes somebody's sunglasses that he just beat up you know in the previews yeah 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 look yeah. you know there's just so many little things that 
you can tell like it was made with love and i feel like that's like the last kingdom you know and yeah um, absolutely it just it just it just comes off screen you know and the writing's just so much better and obviously they have amazing actors and especially actresses in my opinion um oh yeah i agree 100 percent writing but I, it's given me those two shows have given me um a greater need for you know for more shows like that with the writing being the yeah aspect and it, yeah that's a bar up i think for you know for everything else after that so and the wheel of time to me was not meeting that bar personally so. no no it, it was it was fine but it's certainly it's only lacking that i'd say that, you know that little spark that little that little extra little bit of believability that would have would have yep. pushed over the top to have been yep. something great and imagine it was like 20 minutes 20 minutes into the episode first episode of reacher i was like i was like i'm here for this entire show yeah so they've got it yeah they've oh. got it right yep. yeah, yeah <laughs> when he breaks his zip ties when he comes out yeah. of the earth, so i was like yeah. they've got it they've got it right yeah oh my god you, you yeah. nailed it right yeah. there yeah i'm like yeah. waiting for yeah. that part in the book because then like once they yeah. get out of that part i'm like i'm just like waiting for that part in particular but yeah that's, that's <laughs> one where i was like i think that was right around that part it was either right before or right after he did something or said something i was like okay and i like that guy as an actor too i think alan does a yeah. great job you know in a lot of things but it's good to actually see him get, you know, like the main spot. I feel like he's always like, you know, the second person or something like that, you know, like a follow-up mm-hmm. character or something. But yeah, it's been excellent. Um, so again, I talked about, you know, before we started recording, you know, I, I love your covers. Um, you know, did you, yeah, I'm just curious, did you plan on, like, did you just do the first one and then try to be consistent or did you kind of, you know, like pre-plan that you were going to have them, you know, kind of match in terms of cover design and, you know the yeah stuff like that yeah um i i i think i didn't really i think uh, i it's, it's, it's quite hazy but i from, from what i remember um i i knew that so so you know the the, the titles of the book so we've got kesrin uh Aurelium and morak i pretty much knew starting out that each book would be in a different locale right so from there i knew that on the cover of each book i don't i didn't when when you when you uh, as you know when you, you well you, or you'll find out when you, when you start to do your covers is that when you work with a, a cover artist or a, or a, a cover agency I worked with a uh, an agency called uh, Demonza thought they're really good um, and what you basically do is you pretty much give uh, a rough description so a page or half page description of what what you would like your your cover to to be. And then they go away and they'll produce several different drafts. Uh, different companies uh, work in different ways, but the ones that they give you two different drafts from two different uh, artists, right? So you'll get two different, uh, quite, quite, I'd say fairly different um, uh, uh, covers from, from two different artists. And then you pick one of those two and then you, uh, you, 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 you iterate, you iterate on, on that cover until you, you get to, I think it take, it took for, for this cover, it took, I think maybe, six or seven probably uh, different versions before we actually got to something I was I was happy with um so yeah so that was um that was uh, that was that and so what I basically said was uh, is that I wanted you know the guy standing in front of the uh, the siege castle with the gradings coming in or whatever so you give your basic idea and then once you've done that then you get the um you get the the, the cover back and then yeah once I got that first cover I knew that then for the next uh, books in this series I wanted to keep that consistency so I knew that the next book was going to be Kesterin I was going to be you know uh, Kesterin in the background with then the uh, Julia 
who's the character we talked about earlier, who's standing in front of the uh, of Kesrin, and then the, the third book, which is set in Morlach, which is um, uh, a guy called uh, Jefferson standing in front of uh, Morlach, the, the fortress of Morlach. And the fourth book will be the same. Sorry. I sorry. I just I love his red sash. I just think it like it really. Yeah, his red sash is pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. They they just look really great. <laughs> yeah, the red. So, so things have so things have significance. The the what, what's quite funny is there are lots of little Easter eggs in the covers. There or lots of little things that people probably never pick up on that will never you know will never see the light of day. And I might talk about one time or, or put on my website or something. But every, everything in the covers has been thought about and uh, and uh, everything cool. has significance. So yeah, well that's really neat. I like that. I love when you can do stuff like that and put in the Easter eggs and stuff like that. And... I love finding stuff like that personally, like especially like as yeah. a or something, or I always like like looking at book covers like over and over again and stuff. So for me, like having little treasure hunts like that is is really fun. So I like that. Uh, so do you, for our last one, do you have any news, updates, promos, uh, current projects, or anything like that you would like to share with us? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, the the we've already talked about it, but the the last book in the series, so book four, um, is going to be out in June so I'm hoping sort of mid-June at the latest so that's coming up god it's already April isn't it so that's coming yeah, up yeah, quite yeah. soon in a couple of months yeah <laughs> so that'll be done uh and then uh the other thing that's on at the moment which uh, your your listeners might find and your watchers might find interesting is that there's a um there's a big giveaway going on at the moment with indie authors I believe it's called I believe it's uh, uh, I had it up here but of course it's gone but I think it's Rain of Reeds or okay. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link if you want and you can put it yeah, in yeah, that'd that. be great yeah that'd and be great. Uh, it's uh, what it basically is is it's uh, it's a big fantasy giveaway um, where uh, 66 authors so I'm one oh, of wow. them <laughs> so even if you don't like myself there are 65 others <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that we're doing this big giveaway so basically all you have to do is go and sign up sign up and you get um you get 65 books uh free to download so um there's uh, there's obviously um my short story called uh, Pridora, which is set before the uh, the uh, the events of the first book and there are 65 other books by by a whole host of authors yeah so it's so uh, yeah it's rain of reads that are doing that okay. and when you do that you're also entered into a a prize draw so they've got some stuff I've, I've pulled up the web page here so they've got stuff like they've got uh t-shirts uh board games you know chess sets all of that stuff that you uh that you can that you're entered into when you when you download this stuff so that i thought was really great it's a great way to for all of these authors to get a bit more exposure we we're talking about earlier and uh yeah it's free so oh, if that's something that sounds good it goes it's through april 15th it looks okay. like or 14th okay cool. so yeah that could be something that'd be interesting yeah i'll definitely be uh, sharing that out on social media uh actually pop the link in here um at the bottom too uh so that, that sounds awesome yeah we'll definitely have to you know think of having you back you know in june like whenever you're ready just let me know and you know we'll you know be more than ready to you know to help you with the book release stuff like that so that oh yeah thank awesome. you yeah, i'd love to yeah 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 i uh, love love talking <laughs> as we we're saying earlier i love love talking to people about the thing the thing about living in france you know is that a lot of people speak french so <laughs> so you know uh ha- having conversations in english is great as well speaking speaking to 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 people english is great for me too i speak i speak french all day and you know it's always great uh being able to 
to talk to other other people uh, about what I do. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Um, you know, again, Alex, I really want to thank you for coming on today. I mean, I definitely learned a lot. I was really excited. You know, again, once I saw you know your first book cover and you know I read the the blurb and stuff like that. So I, I obviously our audience knows we'll have all your links in the description. So for anywhere you're finding this podcast, um, you know, you guys can go and find Alex's links, find his books. Um, I think once you guys, you know, go and see the covers and check out the blurbs as well. Um, if you need anything more than what Alex has said about his books today, I don't know if this is the podcast for you, but, um, you know, as soon as I saw him, I'm, I saw that first blurb, I was like, yep, added that right to Amazon. Right? <laughs> uh, you're one of my first um, little group there. To, um, I just got my Kindle actually for Christmas. So you're, oh. so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, bam. Uh, it was like shortly after that, I think it was a few weeks ago. So I was pretty excited there. So I'm definitely excited to start book one. I uh, will be uh, reviewing book one um, here shortly. It's on my list for reviewing books for the summer. People keep asking me about that. So um, once that's up, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Um, but yeah, I really want to thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to get through to, you know, to book one and uh, I'll definitely be um, asking you questions and things like that once I get done with it. So I'm really, please do. I love the yeah. behind the scenes things, you know, like asking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stuff. So I'll be really annoying at that point, but I was like, one thing also is really like talking about their books. So don't, yeah, don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be okay if I hit you up and was like, hey, why'd you do that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the weekend, my friend. Uh, like I said, you know, you let me know whenever you're ready. We'll get you on again, you know, you know, in June. And I, you know, I wish you good luck with everything. And, you know, if there's anything else, thank you. Anytime, you just let me know. So thanks, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on and, and good luck with your own right i'm looking forward to reading it please send uh, me something yeah. when you have something oh ready. for sure for yeah. sure for love, sure yeah, no, oh, yeah anybody to. that's been on the podcast i'm going to send out a like a mini newsletter and uh that'd be great just so you know just be like hey if you guys want you know here's this and yeah like yeah, that sure but yeah i'd love any feedback or anything you have to say so yeah that'd be really exciting so i'm really excited to send that that's really be a pleasure yeah excellent you have a great rest of the day my friend i will be emailing you uh, enjoy your weekend then yeah, you too. I'll talk to you later. You guys have a good rest of the day, okay? Bye, Alex. Bye.